Welcome to the Impact Multiplier CEO Podcast. If you're a chief executive, or if you think like one, and you want to create exponentially greater impact, then this show is for you. My name is Richard Metcalf, founder of X Quadrant. I coach some of the most successful and impressive CEOs and executive teams on the planet and help them achieve extraordinary results. And no matter how successful you've been in the past, there's always a whole new level of impact available to you. So if you're ready to play a bigger game than ever before, I invite you to join us and become an Impact Multiplier CEO. What do you do when everyone in your leadership team is focused on their functional silos? Welcome to Season 3, Episode 4 of the Impact Multiplier CEO Podcast. I'm Davina Stanley, and as usual, I'm here today with Richard Medcalf to talk about this question particularly. Hi, Richard. How are you? Hi, Dav. Yeah, I'm uh, very well today. We've been having a few technical problems, but uh, hopefully this is all going to work this time. It's um, early on a, on a bank holiday here, a public holiday, so I've been uh, running around the house trying to find a, uh, a quiet place away from uh, sleeping people and um, and people eager to have their breakfast. So um, <laughs> let's hope this one works. <laughs> I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. This is the, the wonderful challenge of working from home, isn't it? Well, exactly. This is it. I'm trying to live the 2020 dream here and, uh, um, yeah, demonstrate in a podcast what it's really like, right? The real reality. Exactly. Of... Authenticity. Right. Authenticity all the way. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. No, that's, that's absolutely fantastic. So look, let's jump in. What does it look like when your team is functionally focused? Yeah, well, I see this a lot when I'm talking with, with CEOs. And I think last time we might have mentioned this idea of when you're in a restaurant, everyone picks up their tab. And then somehow you leave, there's always a bit left over, uh, which you have to kind of take care of. And I think a lot of CEOs feel that they've got their team. Everyone is uh, taking ownership, but really only of their part of the business. So your salespeople, they're taking, you know, your sales manager is taking responsibility for sales and driving sales, not really thinking about so much how that relates to other parts of the business or thinking about the broader issues. Same with marketing and operations. Uh, people are, uh, are very competent in their area and they're really focused on driving results in their area. Um, but what we see is that in meetings, people then only speak up when it's a question or a subject about their function. So um, I, on one hand, that's understandable because people um, say, well, it's not my area of expertise. On the other hand, um, as a leader, it's not actually about expertise, right? It's about your perspectives, your broad view on the business, your even your unique uh, understanding um, from where you sit in the organization and just the things that you see that others don't. People don't see all that. Um, and so, um, yeah, the conversations are a bit stilted, right? Conversations don't involve the whole team. And, um, and also when things fail, there can be blame games. Yes, I can imagine that too. And particularly if people are very focused on their own area, they don't understand things from someone else's perspective. So it just seems like someone else's fault, doesn't it? It's mm. not mine. So it's very easy to pass the buck to somebody else. Yeah, exactly. Things can fall through the cracks, right? And mm. um, generally when we're leading any kind of uh, uh, large you know, cross-functional project, it's not as simple as just taking the sum of the functions. It's all the interfaces and relations mm. between the functions that are going to count. 
Yeah, I can imagine that. And I guess there where you're saying it's not the sum of the functions, it actually should be a multiplication if you've got that true team sort of factor happening. So are there any other things that you really see impacting the business as a result of this silo focus? Yeah, so fundamentally, it's stopping the team really working as a team. Okay, so when you're in a silo, you're not actually working as a team driving the business together. Um, I like to say, imagine a football team um, and they agree a strategy where they divide up the the pitch into a whole bunch of imaginary squares and everybody's assigned one square on the pitch and they're told that they can just run around, do whatever they want in their own square, but not move anywhere else on the field. Now, of course, no matter if you've, even if you've got the top players in the world, that team is going to get crushed by a band of amateurs because they don't have the flexibility and the interest to really play the game. Absolutely. And as someone who doesn't really watch team sports, I still get what you mean, right? It's such a clear analogy that you've given us there. That's that's really fantastic. So I can see the problem, but what do you do about it? I don't think this is an easy fix. It's not necessarily an easy fix, but it is fixable. The first thing is to really present the team with a question, which I call the loyalty test, which is I'm in a team and I'm part of it and I lead a team. Okay, so I'm in this leadership team as a team member and I lead my organization. I lead marketing, say, which is my number one team. Now, it's it's an interesting question because naturally a lot of people, even if they're, you know, especially if they're very good leaders, they're going to say, well, yeah, but my team that I, I, I lead, right, I, these people, they depend on me. I depend on them. Our success is shared. I've hired these people, perhaps. I'm responsible for building up their careers. Uh, I need to take care of my people, right? The, this, and, and all those good things can kind of put the emotional heart into the um, the sub team if you like the functional team but what happens if you do that is the the executive team really becomes the united nations right it becomes a load of um representatives coming together to lobby for resources uh defend their interests um and uh and generally you know avoid um taking on blame or, or or other issues and possibly engage in the odd skirmish yeah, possibly, with other yeah. countries yeah, around right. border border issues for yeah. example right yeah mm. exactly so mm. so if we shift it and say okay actually this leadership team is my number one team um, and together we have some shared goals and we actually agree together what do you want to be collectively responsible for then the next, the other team starts to take its role, right, as a way of helping deliver on this overall business vision. So there's a lot we can get into about how you define the goals and how you co-create those goals. And I do a lot of that a lot with my leadership teams that I coach uh, as a team to really help them together take ownership for that shared endeavor, as I call it. But But the point is, there has to be this decision. Okay, this leadership team is my number one team. Um, even if it's not my team in the sense that I'm not leading it, um, it's actually the one that I have to put my focus on. And then the other one will take its natural role and I can still do all that good stuff with my team and develop them. 
Yes, and that's the one you're much less likely to forget about, isn't it? Right. Yeah, because it's the operational yeah. one. It's the one you're there yeah. every day doing it, you know, day in, day out. So yeah. the next one is is really um, to really understand that you know you're wearing two hats. And uh, I was working with a um, yeah leadership team who again had very much had this issue. They were um, very strong functional leaders, not really thinking about the big transformational projects. And, and that's the issue. Transformational projects, things that are going to really change things, are by nature looking at almost reinventing the system, um, doing things across functions, or even changing the scope of functions or changing how they relate. And so you can't have a functional mindset if you're going to mm. truly transform things. So with this team, I really said, look, you've got two hats. You've got your functional hat. You're comfortable with that. Um, and let's actually articulate what are those roles and responsibilities as a leadership team member wearing your functional hat what do you do well you know obviously you report back on the function you make commitments on behalf of the function you bring your functional expertise right you're involved in developing your people in the function etc so you can come up with a list of roles and responsibilities but then the question is well what's the what's your business leader hat that this team is now giving you the opportunity to wear What's the roles and responsibilities as a cross-functional leader with a shared responsibility in optimizing the entire organization? And then when you start to get people to think about those roles and responsibilities and start to have a discussion about that, then such people go, oh yeah, how much of the time have I, am I spending wearing my functional hat in these meetings versus my business leader hat? Mm. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. So who's your team? What are your two hats? It's good to have three things. Have you got a third? I always have a third, Davina. That would be uh, terrible if I didn't have a third. <laughs> um, so I think a very practical um, strategy here is to pair people up. Okay, so actually, um, I guess the the insight here behind this is you want to shift focus from people and functions to the gaps and the relationships. And therefore, rather than saying, rather than having a question like, you know, how are we going to improve sales, which is a classic question, or, you know, how do we improve our marketing focus, which are questions which are really focused in on the silos and leadership teams would ask those questions. But they're literally just, I mean, everyone just looks at the sales manager at that point. Yeah, how are we going to improve sales? But when we start to ask, you know, how can we get sales and marketing to work more effectively together? Then you're starting to look at the gaps and you're actually focusing attention on the interfaces. And then even better, if you ask your sales and marketing leaders, uh, yeah, hey, and perhaps throw in somebody totally different as well to help make the point. Engineering, maybe. Yeah, or... Yeah, exactly. Engineering or HR or whoever you want. Um, and then um, ask them to go away and come back with a shared view. This is great, especially when people kind of tend to get into conflict about things. So you basically say, look, you know, you have to come together with something that you both own 100%, that you both stand behind. And so you actually get people starting to work on the interfaces and on the gaps. Fantastic. I can see that being really powerful. I'd never thought about doing that before. I think that's a really clever thing. You just see things in other people's areas that you don't, when, when you look at someone else's work, you see things that you just don't see in your own. So that sense of collaboration, I think would be really, really powerful. I think that's, yeah. that's, 
Yeah, well, I mean, what you're doing, sorry to interrupt, but I suppose that you, what you're really doing is you're kind of hacking the mental map that people have. So the organogram is very much divided into boxes, right? And everyone has, this is my box. And what as a leader you can do to really multiply the impact of these different functions is to say, well, let's, let's focus on all the interfaces, uh, all the gaps, the interrelationships, right? What are the systems at play here? And when you start to ask questions about those things which are not visible on the map, there you get the breakthroughs. Yes, no, fantastic. I think that sounds really great and probably a great place to leave it. I think you've given three really terrific ideas there. So um, next time, I think we're taking this issue a bit further, aren't we? And the topic is, you know, not having the bold conversations to address the real barriers to progress. So how do we, you know, deal with teams that are not having those conversations, which I think is, is a really good practical thing to focus on. So um, do you have anything to add before we wrap this one up? I guess... The, the the parting thought here might be around how do people succeed in your executive team? Do they succeed by delivering on their functional goals or do they lead by demonstrating cross-functional leadership? So I'd always encourage uh, any executive to ask, you know, think very carefully about the system that you've created because you're either prioritizing the functional hat or the cross-functional hat. So what are the rewards, the incentives, and what's the focus that you bring to your one-on-ones, to what you celebrate, all of those things, which of those two hats are you really putting attention on? Because that's what people will respond to over time. Makes sense. No, that's terrific. No, that's a great, a great wrap up, I think, for that. So as ever, um, you can get the, the show notes for this episode at xquadrant.com slash season three, episode four. And you can also get all the details about all of the other podcasts season by season if you go to xquadrant.com slash podcast. Thanks so much, everybody. We look forward to talking to you again soon. Bye Thank you. Now. Goodbye. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Now let's talk about you. When you're in top leadership, when you're in the biggest role of your career, who supports you at a deep level as you lead others? Who helps you multiply your impact and get to the next level? If you're ready to learn more about our content, our coaching, and our community, then visit us at xquadrant.com.